0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I uh, I finally started going back to the gym. I uh, I went three times last week, and I still hate it. I don't know. I, I sit there and I go there, and you know, Joanne, the lovely Joanne, goes five days a week. She's been going for twenty odd years. That's why she's forty-seven and she weighs one hundred and two pounds. Me, I'm in good, okay shape, but I go and I get on the treadmill, and it bores the crap out of me. I try to do some weights and I I feel weak. And you try to, and you sit there like there's ladies benching more than me. And then I get on the bike and I just feel awful. So I'm gonna keep going. But someone email me cooper.talk at yahoo.com to tell me if you have any idea how I can make it fun. People have told me take classes. I took yoga class. Boring. I did not know what I was doing. You sit there and and you think it's gonna be like peaceful, and all the women are just like they're chatty Cathy's so before they're talking about this person about that and so yeah so I, I'm just gonna give up on the gym even though I'm gonna go you know people working out is over it's overrated you know walk walk that anyway enough about that we have a great show we have a we, I, I hit up this guy because uh clive farrington had posted on facebook about uh, a yes concert and i saw johnny vatos and i knew the name and yeah. uh and so my guest is johnny vatos how you doing johnny good i'm doing good excellent thank you now do you do you like to be called johnny vatos or do you like to be called johnny hernandez
1: well john hernandez is my pre-johnny vatos history <laughs> so, when I, you know, we were picking out names, nicknames back in the eight, like 1979 and 1980 with Boingo, and they were starting to give out some really silly names. So, I used to introduce a song, Vamos a contar una canción que todo gente que va entender, because it's a song about cruising in the sixth dimension. Right. So, the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo would be playing that, and they'd be going, Who's that crazy Vato up there? So, I go, Okay, that's my name, Johnny Vato's. And it sticks out. It's good. And it stuck. So, that's where that came from now you're a drummer yes extraordinaire thank you sir and
0: i've had a few drummers on before and and drummers are always interesting because and my brother was a drummer uh, It's you guys always you know it's hard as kids drumming because you make so much noise and it really takes a, a parents out when did you learn when did you know you wanted to be a drummer did you watch like my brother watched Buddy Rich on one of the shows and said oh, right. "I want to do my brother only drummed you know he's out of it now but did you see someone that made you want to drum or was music in your family or how did you get into
1: this career of drumming well we always liked music in my family but I think it was the Ed Sullivan show and all the big bands and all the live drummers I saw you know on Sunday nights and I got home oh, man i really want to do that so of course my mom did buy me a buddy rich bought me a gene cooper record told me i had to learn sing 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 which i did immediately and then she bought me a buddy rich record and i started my love for big bands she sat me down she said look you know, if you're going to be a jazz drummer you're going to have to get a job but if you if you play all kinds of music you won't have to because you'll always be working i said great idea mom now, now that's why she's your mom's
0: Smart? Did you most? Were you self-taught? Because most most people I know. Did you actually take lessons? Or no,
1: I I I know. I'm smart enough to know not to waste time. And so you, uh, I I started studying with this guy named Ken Smith in high school. Taught me all my rudiments. And then I found a guy when I was about 18 named Freddie Gruber, who happened to have the most incredible string of students. And I studied with him, and he became a really close mentor and a friend of mine to his death recently, a few years back. And uh, he, um, one of the characteristics of all his drum students is that they all sounded different. Okay. But they all had air in their playing. They all, could, they all had a feel and a touch, and I was like, whoa, I want to sound that good. So I started studying with him when I was about 18. And by the time I was 18, I was already, I could read big band music. So I was playing in pitch shows, doing shows with like Bob Hope and uh
0: That must be weird, no, sisters. because it's like, you know, you're 18 and it's something that, you know, and to see how your career has, has, you know, different areas you've gone in. But for 18, it's like playing with big band, you know, you don't usually think, if you go like i went to see the martin short with the glendale pops mm-hmm. and everyone was had been playing for a while if i saw an 18 year old kid i'd be like the hell is he doing up there? It, it would throw me off. That must have been,
1: how, how did you get that job? You must have been really good. Well, I was really good and I always made a point. Um, one of my uh, credos was always play with people better than you. So I played with older guys. And back then there was a transition period where jazz and rock were two different distinct things. So I could play jazz, but I was also a young kid, like a lot of young kids today, and I could play rock and roll. Who were some of the bands you liked? I mean, rock
0: bands. Who were some of the bands that you were drumming to or you liked to drum to back then?
1: Well, you know, I really was not into a whole lot of rock bands. I was into studio rock drummers like Hal Blaine, who played on a bunch of records and all that stuff, part of the Wrecking Crew. And I liked all those kind of pop music stuff. Uh, But actual bands, I really... I really was not, I was not a big Led Zeppelin fan, I was not a, you know, I really didn't like, uh, I like some of the British rock bands, I love the Beatles, love the Stones, I loved musical drummers that played music, Okay. with, with great musicians, I didn't necessarily like you know yeah dude toad right when i first heard that i thought this is the most embarrassing thing i've ever <laughs> heard in my life what uh what was it like playing with bob hope i mean that's he's oh, a legend it, I mean, it is yeah and i played with ed mcmahon uh, billy daniels gordon McCrae. um gordon mccray was uh, he one of his big things was surrey with the fringe on top okay so here i am reading a pitch show reading in a band and uh he goes okay uh so with the fringe on top, I pull up the music, and it says temple blocks. And I went, oh, my gosh. You're supposed to make that horsey sound, so I'm going riding in the right. ferry. And he looks at me, <laughs> and he goes, young man, how could you show up at a Gordon McRae concert without your temple blocks? You know, I ran into those problems. Because about, you're so
0: young. I mean, I most people, you weren't even born when some of their songs came out, and you're going, I mean, what the? You know, it's yeah. like, I mean,
1: Bob Hope. I mean, so Bob Hope was not, you know. He wasn't as touring as much anymore. No, but but he told funny jokes and you know he walked in and out and it was it was it was fun. I I, I love music and uh, that's what keeps it all fresh and interesting to me. I like all styles and all kinds of music. Back then I was playing with Latin bands, you know salsa bands and playing all kinds of stuff. Playing polka bands, you know, playing ballroom dancers, and so
0: you were just doing it. You were just, you were just, you were a gun for hire, having fun. You just wanted to play all the time. Was that you just wanted to play every moment you could get? That's it. That's that's what always kept me uh, busy and working. So you're doing that. You're playing away, and
1: uh, I know you end up getting on the the the,
0: uh, the midnight special. How'd that come? Right. Well, well,
1: see how that came about. I was about nineteen. I was about nineteen twenty years old. I was twenty years old, and I was playing with this avant card jazz group totally avant-garde totally like you know five people in the audience just incredible free form beautiful music the bass player looked at me and goes you know you need a break man you played all these shows you're that incredible i'm gonna get you a, a break i go what's that and he goes well uh, helen Reddy's looking for a new drummer so okay I were go, you familiar with helen ready i i know all i knew was that one song and i saw her at disneyland I thought she was really pretty, you know, so I I got the job, and I was with her for about three years, and she was the guest host for the Midnight Special. For about a year and a half, I got a chance to be the house drummer on the Midnight Special, played with, you know... Bands that would people acts that would come in without a band like the Patula Clark, uh, you know, um, you know, Frankie Avalon, uh, Keith Carradine, Martin Mull, all these different, you know, we'd just sit there and read the chart and and play the pop music. So I did that, and then she she actually hosted the Tonight Show a couple times. Isn't that weird? It's like I'm thinking
0: back when I was a kid and watching the Tonight Show. A lot of people know like Woody Allen hosted the Tonight Show a few times, and different people, and I don't. Well, probably because I wasn't allowed to stay up. But the Helen Reddy, I, I I don't remember her hosting it, which is it's just now when you think about it, it seems
1: weird that a singer would host it. You know, it's right. very different back then. It was really different. And for me, it was a dream come true because I got to play the... <laughs> now was it was it her band
0: or uh, it was or it was doc there too it, it was the doc Severance So you band. got to play so how did you how did you get in on
1: that action because that's pretty good like well, don't be, they have their own drummer well they do have their own drummer and it was ed shaughnessy who's uh, one of my heroes and and he's sitting there and the transition was too tight so right after the theme they go and here she is helen ready so i i physically couldn't get up off the drums and move so you know Ed goes hey the kid can play it man let him play it man so I played it swung the heck out of it and Johnny Adino and all those guys there gave me the thumbs up nice going kid nice going and it was it was a big validation for me well, that, and then, then we went into a Helen Reddy song that's just
0: awesome I mean it's a Tonight Show and that, that's I mean and some people don't understand how big I mean the Tonight Show used to be like there was another late night shows so, I mean it was like None. and the Tonight Show and after the Tonight Show there was the, the late late show with Tom Snyder and then your TV went to the Star Spangled Banner or whatever yeah. and everybody I mean everybody watched The Tonight Show and it was, it was a huge thing
1: yeah so that must have been you must have been like on cloud nine were you nervous at all because I you was listen- I'm, you know to this day I'm always nervous <clears throat> to this day I, I, I'm never comfortable before a show because <clears throat> first of all, people come out there to hear you it 's It could be the first experience of their life it could be they could be jaded, they could be drunk, they could be stoned out of their brain, and they could have paid way too much for the seats. they could have gotten them free you got to get all those attitudes, rustling them all up, point them in your direction, and give them a great time see that 's yeah i mean it's just i mean that 's funny because I perform I did
0: stand up for a long time and You would, I would, my nervousness would subside. But still, if you're a perfectionist, you just you want to. That's the thing about the performing is you want them to like you because they're they're coming to see you, and that's a lot of people don't think that. A lot of times, people think, oh, they're lucky to see me or lucky guys. But it's like they're coming to see you, and if you suck, they're not going to want to come see you again, and then you're (laughs) going to be sitting there playing drums with a band in front of nobody. That's right. So, so you're doing you do you doing Helen Ready, you do the Tonight Show so uh-huh. now now you stop working now what was it like touring because I mean because Helen Reddy must have toured a lot did you enjoy it because you're a young man
1: oh I, I loved it and, I, and fortunately, I got I've got I've had a chance to tour through different decades. But with, with Hell and Ready, what was so it? So, Hell and Ready in the 70s, it was wild. I was I got really bored after about six months, and I figured, well, I should just quit and go do something else. And then, then all of a sudden, hey, you ever tried doing drugs? <laughs> Have you ever tried drinking? I go, well, no. You know, I drank my first beer when I was like 23. Wow, really? Yeah. So you're just a good kid. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I experimented with my first uh, uh, substances when I was around 28 or so. You so know. you were getting into the road. I was like, hey, this is kind of fun. Well it also must have been great because you're touring with Helen Reddy
0: and it's not like, you know, you're like in a punk band touring from city to city in a van. You're probably staying in nice hotels. You're probably, probably you're great probably hotels. I mean, you're probably you know, the food you're not not like you hear people go, Oh, we were eating no. uh you know, eating Slim Jim. You know, you're probably sitting there, you guys, you guys probably had a nice little gig going.
1: Oh yeah, we flew on Learjets, flew on airplanes, had uh, per diem. You know, it was, it was a really, it was a really comfortable, a limo would come and pick me up, drop me off. See, that's amazing. So you're doing that. And now what makes you leave? Well, it makes me leave. It's just, I'd I'd had enough. And I had a chance to do a rock show with uh, Tony Basil, um, the the, the lockers and some of the guys from Devo. They asked me to do this, this show. And there was like two bass players, three guitar players. And I was the only drummer and they knew I was an animal. So they go, you got to be an animal. So sure enough, we got this show together. It was really amazing. Four consecutive Fridays at the Fox Venice in uh, in Venice, California. And blow and behold, Danny and Steve were so into it they showed up every Friday now were uh, Danny Elfman and Steve Bartek
0: now were, was Oingo Boingo already created or what were they doing why were they coming out
1: Did they, just they were doing me- the Mystic Nights of the Oingo Boingo okay. and so they, they were excited and they kept going wow if we only had a drummer like this we could really do something so sure enough, I, um, they asked me to join, and, and I go, oh, that's great. What kind of band is it? He goes, well, it's the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Uh, do you mind wearing a monkey suit? I go, you mean vaudeville? I'm, you know me, I'm like, boing, sure. So in those early days, we wore like monkey suits, jazz suits. We wore, had, Did you have a monkey face? Monkey face, everything. Did that make it harder to see, or you just
0: were so fluent It trubbing? was.
1: It was hard to see. And we used to march. Sweat. Sweat like crazy. We had about six or different, different art outfit changes. We actually played a ball of foam piece, all of us. All of us had to learn by rote a ball piece, a gamelon piece, which is metal tubular bars, where you, you play one, you, you you dampen it with the other hand, and you can move on to the next note. So you're constantly following your stuff. And Danny would come out and do a, a sword dance and do all this incredible stuff. What kind of venues were you playing at? Were you drawing crowds? or? Oh, it-, it was always packed. It was insane. we um, we. We did the boarding house up in uh, Northern California. They did the West Westwood Playhouse here. Played uh, whiskey all the time, and uh, in fact, uh, Nederlanders offered us uh, like over a million dollars to go off Broadway, and it was about nineteen seventy nine, almost eighty. And Danny looked at everybody at rehearsal and goes. Nah, I'm tired of carrying all this stuff around. We were carrying around monkey and a big old frog heads, yeah, and I mean. huge props. Because no, I don't want to do this anymore. Look at <clears throat> so we dropped the name Mystic Knights and we just called ourselves Oingo Boingo. One of the other reasons we dropped Mystic Knights because a band from Northern California called us and said, "Oh, by the way, Mystic Knights—that's our name." And but you can have it if you seven send us seven hundred dollars so we can buy a new PA. Oh, you can have the Mystic Knights. Oh. So you say that to Danny, Danny goes, shut up.
0: Yeah, well that's so funny because that's like now people like with websites, they go, Hey, you can have this website. I bought it and you can buy it from me. And it's like I can just get a dot net. Yeah. I don't need a dot com. So so you're so you get rid of the costumes. Uh huh. And so now and you get rid of the Mystic Knights, so you just become oingo boingo. Uh huh. Now Who decides which
1: way your music's going to go? Well, Danny's uh, like a a, a writer-holic. Danny can just, to this day, uh, when he does movies, I I went to a, 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 a a little talk from a with richard Kraft, one of his before one of his uh danny elfman concerts at ucla recently and he was talking about how how danny works and and he he's he's worked the same way since we were in the band he'll show up with a million different ideas okay we'll work on this and i'd I'd look at i'd look at a piece of music that he would bring and i go danny this is ridiculous this is three songs and they're all incredible that's a song that's a song and that's a song and to this day when he does movies when a director goes well this is what I want he goes okay great and he comes back in three days and goes well here's try that that's your idea here's five more See what see what that looks like.
0: So that, he must just be always. I mean, his mind must be going all the time. Yeah, I don't know how he sleeps. It's crazy. So so you, you guys, you guys are sitting there and you you start to play a new music. So now you're no more no more monkey outfits. Right now, were people still excited to come see you or did were they getting were they used to the monkey outfits? Like when people came to see, were they like, where's the monkey outfits,
1: or were they just right. like... Right, that was that was actually a transition moment, and uh, fortunately. Uh, there were certain of the elements that i really appreciated one of the the core elements of of boingo was a real love for jazz and jazz needs a certain kind of creativity and spark to it and plus danny's a consummate performer and we were the band was already a performing band we could move and do all kinds of stuff and had no inhibitions on stage so we were an incredible show to watch and the music was high energy intense and and was kicking you know punk bands would come on and be like <laughs> and all that stuff and then we'd come on and have just as much energy but with all this incredible material and and they'd be like where what planet are these people from so it's it's a i mean yeah, back then i mean
0: that's a different taste i mean it's something that you know it's people hear the punk and you know, i like punk but sometimes you want to hear when you hear something that's energy because we all love energy on stage you yeah you see a band like you know, if you want to see an no mellow you'll go see James Taylor, you know what I mean I mean it's like yeah. you, that's quiet you see that but so so you're you're getting a following then you're starting to get a following sure so what happens now do you do you, when does O Bun go get a record deal? We're, we're just sitting there because I mean you
1: guys put tons of records out but, I mean were, were you touring well, I, you no the t- actually no we um you know we um, we did everything on the cheap. And uh, the first time we played Madame Wong's, we made no money. Second time, we we made five dollars. Third time, we made thirty dollars each, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and we saved enough money and put out our own our own little record, and it, then we ran into Miles Copeland. Well, where did you record your little record at? Uh, we recorded um, all over the place, the little tiny studios here and that have kind of come and gone now. And um, like that first EP where we did Violent Love and uh, Ain't This Alive and uh, all that, uh, you know, that that was a cool little EP and that was done all over the
0: place. It's amazing because I I mean, it's so funny with the EPs and stuff like that. And people forget that. I remember there was a group in Philadelphia called Robert Hazard and Heroes Mm -hmm. and they had like the EP and it was, it was, but it came like in the album, but only had like five songs and they were so cool back then because when you bought albums and it was like, it was. It wasn't nine ninety nine. It was like four ninety nine. But you're like, it's cool because it had that album feel. And 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 I think people. I I think I feel bad that
1: kids now they don't get to uh, uh, appreciate that. But now it's gone that way though. It's gone back to that. Okay. You know now it's like I'm doing. I also produce. So I this lady um, who I was producing this uh, singer. She said, Well, you know, I'm just about half twelve songs. So I go, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You have almost six hits right here. All you, all you got to do is put out a, an EP with six songs. Put out the other one in six months. Don't waste your entire, right. entire year till, till the end of next year to put out 12, because people will just throw the other ones away. Exactly. So, so you said you, you made the EPs, and then Miles Copeland came up. Right. So well, what happened was is that um, um, Jed the Fish, heard it and people started to mention a song K-Rock and they started playing our EP and then, then we, we hooked up with Miles Copeland who was um, also at a booking agency and he also you know he's Miles Copeland's a very interesting character. Copeland uh, his father was one of the founding members of the CIA um, his booking agency was called FBI. Right. The band was called The Police. It's, yeah. So he went he went. He went that hole. He went for it. So, so they,
0: they, he gets you guys in, and <laughs> he then, got
1: us in. And he was he was really helpful and really a good a good guy at the time. And uh, you know, now you know you,
0: you you sit there and he uh you cut, then you go into an album. Yeah. Okay. And then you start touring. Now, did you ever think when this was all happening that it would just, it would last for as long as it did? Because you guys were together for a really long time. I mean, when you sit there, it's like. I mean, what's that like when you sit there and you you know you had been with Helen Reddy and you got bored, okay? So now you're sitting there and you've been out of monkey suits. You're out of the monkey suits, but now did you did you ever think that you sit there and go, "Wow, we are going to escalate these great uh, levels"? I mean, did you ever think that when that first album came out, did you say, "We're going to be a long round for a long time"? Or did you say, "We're
1: going to see what happens"? Well, you know the. Um one, Danny knew that about me, knew that, you know, we, we were all great musicians, and uh, and I, I would eat up music. So one of the things that we would... Danny wrote, like I just said, six six songs, like, overnight. So we would learn a song, work on it, take it apart, learn it, we'd play it, and we'd go, yeah, that's really great. Never play it again. We would leave it alone for nine months, and then all of a sudden we'd have a show, and you'd go, okay, let's make a list. Here's 25 songs, we're going to play them. And I'm like, but we haven't played this song here for nine months. What are you, retarded? Are you, right. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Are you, are, that. You, are, you, are you crazy? Of course. you got to re- do your homework. Remember what we just did. I go, all right. So it was always very challenging. Whenever I came in, if I thought I was going to be bored, he'd have more music. So, but but you must have loved that because you're such a fan of drumming, and you know,
0: and you've played so many genres from you know the the, the big bands and to Helen Ready, to Midnight Special. But you're playing with different acts, so you sure. so you had to pick it up a lot. So that must have been challenging, but
1: it must have been great, especially if you're just you know. Cause For me, it was challenging because I was never considered myself a rock and roll drummer, and and when I joined the when I joined the band, Steve and Danny got together and go, you know, we noticed you hitting that cymbal. You're not playing in a big band. You're going to hit a cymbal. Hit it like an animal, won't you? Okay. And I notice you've been doing this and this. Don't do that. Make sure you do this. And make sure that, you know, that they, they gave me kind of the, the parameters. And so, and one of the cool things about their being playing drums in a musical band is that, and I have no fear of it, I went to each one of the players and asked them, okay, what don't you like about what I'm playing? They go, well, I don't like when you, when you lift your arm up over here. I don't like when you play this drum, Phil. Okay. Will this work? Yeah. So that everybody went, whoa, yeah, that's good. Everybody agreed that they were the best drum parts they could work with. So everybody was happy, and then I just played the heck out of them. So you're playing with them, and now the first album comes out, and then you just, now I guess
0: you go on tour. Mm-hmm. Now, it probably wasn't the same level of tour when you were in Helen and Ready, Oh no, so no. So what was that like? Because it's like you know, it's like you were on to something great, but you were you were sitting there and you were like in the in the Learjet and
1: now how are you guys touring? How are you getting around? Well, the first time we played New York, we rented a motorhome in New Jersey and had to push it to our to our hotel. We were five blocks away from our hotel. I remember literally pushing it, going, We're playing tonight, come see our new band <laughs> and we and we pull into this hotel, you know, after pushing this motorhome in, and and I see Mark, the guitar player from uh, Wall of Voodoo, who was also handled by Miles Copeland. I go, Mark, what's wrong? And he goes, uh. I just went to my room, and there's blood on the floor. <laughs> they gave him a room where somebody had just been killed the night before in a room. <laughs>
0: you, you, go from, you go from, like, the Four Seasons to, like, <laughs> in, somewhere in, like, it's probably when, like, when Hell's Kitchen was bad in New York. It's and it just-
1: exactly where it was. I mean, we should stay at all golf courses and fly in here, fly in there, and Australia and all that, Hong Kong, and now here I am and renting a, Having to return a motorhome in Jersey, Because right. it's broken down. Now, now you, but so you're playing in smaller venues then. Oh uh, yeah, CBGB. But, but what was that like?
0: Because CBGB back then, that must have been just a great time. Yeah,
1: and we, you know, Irving Plaza. You know, that was really good. And yeah, we, we weren't, we weren't that big on the East Coast. We were mainly like uh, Southwest. From the Mississippi, back over to the side, because one of the one of the interesting things and bad things was Danny didn't like to tour. He was a reluctant rock star, as Charlie uncle our 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 art and lighting guy, used to call him the reluctant rock star, because he he goes, look, I'm gonna, we're gonna do this record, but I'm only gonna tour for six weeks. So in order to build up an audience, you have to be in a band where you tour for six weeks, take two or three weeks off hit the same markets again and do that three times during an album cycle then you build up a sold out audience no matter where you go well that never happened so each album would just start to get off the ground and then we'd stay in town and and work on another album for another nine months
0: so now what what album broke you uh, that what album was when all of a sudden you said okay no more mobile homes. No more. I mean, you know, what? What was it? Was it a certain album, or was it? Was it? I mean, I know. Was it from Weird Science, or
1: what was it from? No, you know, uh, I'd have to say, um, you know, I guess by Dead Man's Party. By by about that time, you know, we we were we were happening happening along. We um. Whenever we toured, we you know we we kept it as low budget as possible, and when we were on the East Coast, you know. Uh, squeeze and all those bands we'd open for them and when they were when we were when they were over here on the west coast they would open for us okay
0: so you had you had a working relationship where you said
1: okay you guys knew your markets where you're bigger yeah that must have been cool though it was totally cool totally cool and and there were there were a couple of the bands we really like xtc i used to love those guys i have i have so funny i'm thinking about because i have an old car i always talk about my old car because i'm like
0: Everyone's like, "You want to get a new car? You can afford a new car." I'm like, "Yeah, because I have a 1995 car. It has 102,000 miles on it. it Cost me 50 bucks a month in insurance." I said, "I'll keep that yeah. car, but it still is a cassette player." And some of the cassettes I have only go boingo cassette. It's Only allowed the one with the, the boy on the front, which uh, only yeah, I have mm-hmm. that and I have XTC's greatest hits. and I loved all those bands and Squeeze, 45s and under, because for me they were just it was such great music. And I remember a guy in college got me into only go. I went to college in New Jersey. A guy who also got me into the Violent Femmes also got me into only go boingo because. We, we didn't write, you know, and this guy had this, he came from California, and it was cool. So it's like, we were, this was probably, and this was like in 85 or 86, so it was cool. We used to listen to the music, and it was just great.
1: Yeah, and there was, you know, we ran into all these different people uh, that there, that would be um, opening for us, and I I ran into, I met um, Tito La Riva who used to play in a band called The Plugs and The Cruzados, and he was just like a star to me he was so handsome latino guy with a mustache great punk attitude and i always said one day i'm gonna i want to work for him so sure enough the band it was about 95 that we've gotten the warning already that danny wants to end this thing so start planning what you're going to be doing and uh john Avila and i got, got a call from tito to play on this uh, tv show called culture clash okay i remember that and and we were we were in the house band in fact, we even got we even got we have got. Culture class was on MTV or no VH1? They, no. they were no, they were on um, on channel eleven on Saturday on uh, Saturday nights at seven o'clock. Okay, and I'm thinking I'm thinking of the comedy troupe culture yeah, class. Yeah, culture class. Okay, yeah, okay. They had their own TV show at okay. the time, and so we. Um, you know he we uh, we started playing with that and we've got oingo boingo to actually come and do one of their last shows so they went off to go into movie land and steve uh, i mean um tito asked me to uh, said he was doing a movie call from dusk till dawn with robert rodriguez right. and robert wanted me to play in the movie so sure enough i'm i'm in the uh, the titty twister scene where i'm playing with uh, tito la riva and we're you know we're playing animal parts we Morph the vampires. Salma Hayek comes out, dances with a snake. Well,
0: what was that like? It and it's weird, It's funny because you know you said you know Danny are going to do movies, yeah. and it's just weird how things work. And Then all of a sudden you are in a movie. Yeah. I mean, so what did, did you did you like the make? Because you had the pass with the monkey outfit. Did you like the makeup or
1: was that? Oh, funny? I, no, I loved it. I loved it, and I loved Robert, and, uh, and and I actually played on the soundtrack too. So it was kind of a you know double paycheck. And then I went on the road with Tito from ninety five till uh, two thousand nine eleven now what what kind of venues were you playing well with cheeto we 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 were mainly playing in europe, so we 'd play like uh clubs and um, all the, the summer festivals
0: now now i 've heard well first of all um, i 've heard these festivals are amazing just because the crowds are just huge, and, huge. And, and people are and it's everyone is has a diverse music taste because they come out to see different things yeah and so now with oingo boingo what was some of the biggest crowds you played with oingo boingo the biggest crowds we played were the us festival okay but now the us Fe- i've just heard you know, i wasn't yeah. out here then. i just heard that was just amazing Two hundred fifty thousand people and what's that like as a drummer because i mean i'm sure you're you're probably so used to playing you know beating the drums but you you probably hear the drums. Right. When there's 250,000 people,
1: can you hear anything? Yeah, you, you, can, you can hear everything. And one of the things I learned early on was um, <clears throat> that nervousness that I feel, not only do I have to calm myself down, but you can't go out on stage wired. Because when the energy of 200,000 people staring at you, coming at you, their energy makes your body go... Zzzz. I could imagine. You know, I so thinking, you, you have to, uh, you have to ground yourself. What do
0: you, and stay calm? What do you see? I mean, I'm just thinking about what do you see. You know, when you look out and like anything. You know, when you perform. You know, for a comedy, you would always focus on someone, even if it's, you know, crowd. You focus when there's. I mean, you see dots. Yeah, because I mean, you much, that's you, just like you can't even imagine. Even you like, can't. If like even like I, you know, I went to Hollywood Bowl a few weeks ago, and even there, I mean, we weeks we got. High. We didn't care. They were, they were cheap seats, yeah. but there it was like I was looking down, and my friend was actually playing drums for one of the opening bands, and that's something to eighteen thousand. But two, I mean, can, at one point you just say, "I'm not going to see past the first three rows," or is it that just it must be amazing?
1: Yeah, you 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 just you yeah. It's 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 not very intimate, and like Joe Naimi said, they're just dots. Okay, <laughs> the drummer from Wall of Voodoo.
0: <laughs> so so you you go after you, you're in Europe with Tito.
1: Right. Now, are you loving Europe? Had you been to Europe a lot before? I I really had not. I'd only been to England. Okay. And um, I I loved it. I I love the whole, I think we are so stupid and deprived here in the United States by, um, you know, we're just cultural it's a cultural desert it's a cultural toilet the united let me make a formal comment that it's a cultural toilet out here folks why do you say that because there's on 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 any given weekend at six o'clock at night till six o'clock monday morning there are three music channels playing constant 24-hour music music from africa classical music jazz music that's in europe that's in europe i mean and they're and when you when you go to a festival there are people that are smart enough to go see festivals we play we play with like bjork the chemical brothers tito and tarantula and a couple other like rock and roll bands one one time we played with uh, earth wind and fire and they had james brown tito and tarantula and they, you know what i mean it just it's very eclectic Very eclectic and people sat there and loved it. Well I think that's I think that's just from the music lover. You know, it's funny. I went years
0: like ten years ago I went to a reggae in the river up in Humboldt County. I wasn't really a huge fan of reggae at the time, but my buddies said, you know, just get out of town, come with us and so we camped. Yeah. uh, And I went and I watched and I watched the unknown reggae bands and I, and people like why are you going to a regular thing and I enjoyed it because I enjoy music and you yeah. sit there because you don't get to listen to a lot of different stuff you know and, and that that must be great with the festivals over there because here it's like you have Slayer this, that the festival yeah. you know, this kind of thing so for you now was, were the crowds digging you were they, were they nicer crowds or what was were the crowds well, in Europe like did they appreciate it they, were, they were
1: all they were all um, the crowds are nicer you know well we did gigs with Rammstein too and all that stuff that was that was so cool
0: now, what were some of your places you played at over there, favorite places you played over there like that you would sit there and you just loved? Like, you went on stage, and then you went and hung out. Where were some places you Gee, just Gee, you know, I,
1: I liked everything there. When I, I love I special cities like Bern, you know, Switzerland. And, you know, I loved Cologne. I still love it, you know. It's just beautiful. I, I love I love a lot of, a lot of places in Europe. No. But uh, yeah, they're they're all you know. A lot of the festivals are on a town too. There are very few in the town square. They're they're so huge. They're managed and they're you know out of town. Okay. Bit. So now you said you said you went with Tito and you guys went for
0: the road till two thousand. Yeah. Till nine eleven.
1: Till nine eleven because we were we had done our third album and we were gonna we had a full MTV Europe spread. We were gonna do it, and I was so anti-war. That a a brown guy, a Mexican guy, who's, who could be an easy scapegoat like myself, I would have. I was about ready to tell people that George Bush was lying, and you know there were no WMDs, and Dick Cheney was a was a fool, and everyone's it, it, it's a big it's a big lie, and sure enough, it was. <laughs> Right, but I would have, it would have, it would have ruined, it would have taxed my family, and I could, I would have been put on a watch list, I'm sure, of some sort, and so I had a nervous breakdown, I literally checked myself into a a hospital, and uh, they, Went some tests. They go, man, you have a heart of an 18-year-old. You're a moose. You just got to calm down. So my wife and I spent five days, and I sat in the hospital. We just sat there watching TV. I had
0: a heart condition. I was in the hospital for uh, four days about two years ago. And everyone thinks, oh, it's, it's, it's the most boring thing because I couldn't leave because yeah. I was in the hospital I was you know I was hooked up to stuff but I was like can I I'm fine can I just go out? and they don't let you go outside and you sit there and people don't understand you, you know you said you went in you know with a nervous breakdown well being in there is going to drive you up the wall more than being anywhere else yeah yeah so so that goes you go through that and then now when do you decide to get back into music where do you go from there well,
1: then, then after that I, <clears throat> I disappointedly had to leave the band and I, when I came back into town I knew I wanted to get back into playing big band music again so I went out and visited my friends in Compton and, and uh, they were they had a couple of big bands and they invited me to come down and of course it's kind of a rough part of town but there's a lot of swinging cats down there you know <laughs> and so I got my big band shops <clears throat> back up and, like,
0: did you miss it? Is that why you want to back go back? Or just is that is that I think I think I'm what I'm getting is right, you're, I, you're, that's your that's your first love, isn't it? It, pay- pay? it
1: is. Because there's there's a difference when you're playing with somebody that's picking a string that's going through an amplifier, when you're standing next to somebody and you're standing next to somebody who's using his mouth and blowing air through a horn, there are two different animals. So you the like the drum heads on my jazz set I change them every year and a half. The The drums on my pop set or a rock and roll set or studio set, I change regularly. Because no. you have to go into them, you have to pound yeah. them. you got to play like a man.
0: Well, how did... Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny. Because also you think about, you know, when you think of the, um, the comparisons, going to a concert, going to see a big band, the crowd's much more mellow. Sure. So, I mean, how does... I mean, is it when you go from playing with like, these crazy crowds to a crowd where you would never just start... I mean, if someone has a drum solo in a jazz band, people will clap, but it's like a three second clap. Sure, but you'll never have people scream. Ah, you know what was that like? Was it was it more soothing for you then when you came back
1: to do that? No, no, I, I don't think of music that way. I think of it as a as an instant, instant situation, and uh, and um, the gratification is just to watch body movement. We, uh, I, I played a gig about three, year, three years ago. My friend, Doug Lacey, who plays in the Boingo Dance Party Band, who's an accordion player, plays at the Lions uh, every Sunday night. The guy's a great accordion player. John, do you want to work a gig with me? Okay, well, it's just drums and accordion. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Because I like that. You know, I like, just go for it. Right. So I show up, and it's just, it's a guy's 85th birthday. And we're playing in Newport Beach. And, and you don't want to play too loud. So, you know, fortunately, like I said, I study with the best teacher. Right. I can play from a whisper. I can play like cats whispering on drums to I can clear this entire building. Right. I can go either way. And so so I'm sitting there whispering away, building up this tension of this groove. And people have to They start like, it's like a Lowell and Hardy movie. Shoulders start jumping up and down. Sure enough. Some guy gets up who shouldn't be getting up, who's f- starting to feel the drink, feels the rhythm, 85 years old, about 400 pounds, gets up, starts singing and swinging, has a heart attack, <laughs> falls down. <laughs> we were killing him that day. <laughs> did you stop playing or did you just keep going? We stayed. We, we stopped playing long enough for him, for him to carry him out. <laughs> and then we kept playing. Oh, God. classic. Kept, it was a classic moment. but no it's music's all the same to me i tell my students and people that i i i mentor and do clinics with this is like from six to sixty if you can make a you can make a a young kid dance you can make an old man dance it's all the same thing
0: well it's funny you say it because i know you know my father you know my father's very mellow a very quiet guy he's passed since then he passed i mean he was 88 when he passed but he was um at weddings back east, there's something in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, he grew up in Philadelphia, called the Mummers. And the Mummers are a string band. And they have these huge, New Year's Day, these huge, I mean, these outfits cost $20,000 and they play string bands. And there's a Mummers tune it goes... And my dad, every wedding, would get up and dance to that and just and have his jacket out. And he's, like everyone would say, does your dad ever talk? But he'd be like... And that's the thing. But it's like, it was so random. When my sister got married, I was in Virginia... Like my dad's like ask ask him you know he wouldn't even request it ask they had in the mummers band and they and it was Virginia they had no idea so we had to play it's it's, it's, it's I think it's it ends up the song oh that good and plenty or
1: whatever oh that whatever but it's just funny how he would get up because people can, it affects people sure and 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 to me that's the enjoyment that's my pay you know now it it isn't matter of how much money I get it's it's what I can what I can do to the music and and that's that's really a good thing and a fun thing in it. Because you know everyone has those moments of doubt in their career. I've had about two or three of them. Well, what when you were playing with the
0: when you went back to playing big band? What uh-huh. year? That was after two thousand. That was after two thousand. Right. Now, what years were they? Were you playing big band again? What What years did you start playing big band again?
1: Well, I just I was you know even though I I said I I wanted to go back to playing big bands it. I hadn't been in town long enough to be in the the big band circuit of knowing all the horn players like I went to college with, went to school with, and and knew that I could play. So I had to kind of prove myself to doing that. But in the midst of all that, I was doing recording sessions and playing with rock and roll bands and pop bands. Who were some of the bands you played with? Um, Well, right now I play with with a... No, back then, back then. Oh, back then? Gee, I don't know. So you're doing studio stuff. Yeah. So so how how did you come up with the Johnny Vatos, the band you're with now? Oh, the Boingo Dance Party. Yeah, how'd that come up? Well, because I waited... Um, I remember the, the classic story of um, um, John Fogarty, who I just played a couple of concerts with. Now, you drum with John or... No, no, no. We th- were on the same bill with the Grandmothers of Invention. Now, now, now where did you guys play at? <clears throat> we, um, well... Anyway, the, just that, that story. Okay. The story is, is that uh, I waited 10 years until after the band broke up, and I got together some of the guys, wh- whoever would want to play the music again, because I still wasn't tired of playing it. So I started... I did a, I did a thing called Johnny Vanto's tribute to Halloween, because uh, Danny has lawyers and didn't want me to be even resurrect the band. Okay. And didn't want me to even play the music. So... Um... I just did it anyway. I said, hey, sc- hey, it's just a gig. Shut up. Leave me alone. So after we did that for about two or three years, then he sat on a bunch of lawyers. Cease and desist. Well, was that just a Halloween <laughs> show you were doing? Yeah, we were just doing a Halloween which, show. Uh,
0: which must have been great, because, you know, I mean, everyone must have come out. I remember I would see that. Sure. It must have just get crazy. Sure. So so you already only playing once, and so then he sent a bunch of lawyers.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> we were on a, we played the Greek theater. It was getting ready to sell out, and he stopped all the advertising, all that stuff. So we ended up, that was our last big gig. It was about 4,500 people. <clears throat> and I told them, it's on its way to sell out. Said, yeah, but people are going to think I'm going to be there. Oh, they don't care about you. Don't worry about it. They just want to come to see that they want to hear fun. It's like, yeah. Halloween or whatever. It's anything, you know. So anyway, um, then that kind of like put the dampers on it. But we've been gradually, we've been playing. And now, you know, we just play once in a while. You know, we play four, five, six times a year now now is it fun when
0: you get back with it because it's like you guys have history is is it fun?
1: yeah it's really fun because um um the the music still has a lot of energy and and they're it's fun music and it's it's uh, still amazingly relevant for today now who know? sings who sings um well the guy the guy the guy we have is a, a real real star his name's brendan mccrary Brendan, you you hear him on on some movie on a uh, uh, movie of the week, and you hear him, he works with his brother Bear McCrary, who's a composer, and um, he has his own band called Young, Beautiful in a Hurry, and they're really a good band. And he's a great performer, and he's a big Danny fan, and he loved Oingo Boingo. Now how do you find a guy like that? I mean, do you sit there? I mean, it must be hard because.
0: It's like it's like the, he's it's, coming in and he's playing for, but you guys have played for. So it's like it's like right. it's not like a not like a basis coming in. It's the singer. I mean, how how does how
1: did you find him? That was just pure luck, and um, I actually uh, met him when he was still going to USC. So um, I played with him in his little rock band. and Like I'm saying, I'll play with people just to play, and so Bear and his now wife Raya uh, and. And Brendan had a band in, at USC. And they go, we need a drummer. I go, all right, I'll be there. They couldn't believe it. Johnny Vantos is a So I'd go over to USC, and we'd practice in the practice room. Next thing you know, Bear's a big-time composer. And next thing you know, I'm playing on Battlestar Galactica two seasons through Bear, because Bear's doing that. So that was that was the, the TV show, Yeah, which and, I've never
0: seen. But everyone I know who's seen it says it's amazing,
1: and and he had a Battlestar Galactica orchestra. Okay, so I went on. I we went and did concerts with that at Comic Con, and, and so you got to be sort of in the big band again, then sort of cause right another
0: another big orchestra. That did you enjoy? It? You must have loved that. I, I love it. I, I love it. Now, you, what's the difference between playing with a big band and an orchestra? Because a big band is all.
1: You know, it's, but it, the right, it's, has
0: more, uh,
1: strings and all yeah, that. Is
0: it, is it, do you have to play different
1: styles when you No, play? you know, the, you know, it's, it's all, um, everything's such a hybrid now that, um it's, it's just another musical approach. And, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. We, you know, we were talking about, um, uh, uh my one of my recent gigs, the grandmothers of Invention, I got a chance to sub for chris garcia a great a great music uh, ethno music guy and uh, he 's a regular drummer and they like my playing so much that they want to start doing uh grandmothers of invention, West Coast style, with me playing drums and him playing percussion, and we'll be playing with orchestras. So we'll be, be playing all this Frank Zappa music, right, with orchestras, you know, <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> which is which is really fun. But it, it, it all like just like that that guy who I I almost killed with the accordion player. I approach every. Uh, Fortunately, I'm I'm endorsed so far with a great drum company and a great cymbal company that always give me all the instruments I need so I can tailor my sound and my setup for every situation and get the optimum out of the musicians around me and the optimum out of my technique and my fun see
0: okay so so this is crazy i mean it's funny when you said about the orchestra that seems there's a lot of that going on like i know elvis costello's coming to the hollywood bowl and he's playing in front of an orchestra i think people want to see that now i think people you know as you said i think that it's and it's it's not the the crowd that's going to sell out you know a fifty thousand seat venue but it's going to be the people that will sit there and like the music enough where they're not like Hey, you know, I mean, it just seems a lot of bands are going to play with the orchestra, and that's it's just. I mean, it's funny because you've been like involved in that forever, sure, and that must be cool. I mean, because just you know, playing with the orchestra, it's just. It's just so different. Now, do you dress different when you play with the? Do you wear a suit when you play with the orchestra? Yeah, or do you you to, want to, don't you? Have, do have they, to? Do they? say you got to wear? Because no. always
1: think they always look, you know. No, but my, my son's a classical musician. Okay. So now, what's you know, he play? He plays bass. Okay. And he plays with uh, American Youth Symphony and plays with all kinds of different symphony orchestras around town. And when he when I started to go with him, I go, you know, I'm going to start wearing a, a shirt with a collar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I make sure I do. You know, not to um, uh, kiss Danny's butt too much, but I do, I do, I really I really love the guy. I love what he's done. And what he's done, I went to go see his show at the Nokia. And what was amazing is that there were all these Boingo fans there. They were all over me. They were very, very nice. And I was just sitting in the audience checking it out. But he got, he sold out like three nights in a row at the Nokia. He got these people who would never go see a classical Orchestra, never go see the L.A. Philharmonic. Yet he's got an eighty-piece orchestra, a forty-piece choir, and they're playing. They're showing the the scenes from all the different movies, t- Tim Burton movies, and there, this crowd is enjoying it. And to me, like I was talking about, the cultural desert, right? You know, the armpit of the world. <laughs> you know, when I was. You know, it, go, go to I lived in Vegas for a year. You talk about
0: cultural. Oh, my oh God. It's, you know,
1: and so, so when you see that, you know, it's like, wow, he's it's a double sucker punch into that whole culture. He's shaking it up, and it's 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 becoming normal, and and people will go see that more. So all those people, he's educated and taken to another level, and I'm I'm really proud of that. I'm really glad. It's so cool to see that. Now, before we came on, we
0: talked about you were just overseas. Now, where did you say you were when we walked in the studio? You were just somewhere.
1: Oh, I I just got back from Austria. Okay, now what what was going on over there? Over there, I was doing the. I went back to with the Grandmothers of Invention, which is the old band uh, with Don Preston and Bunk Gardner and Dave Parlato who was the guy who gave me my first break with Helen Reddy now I'm playing with them isn't that crazy how he, it, it always it comes like full
0: circle and people don't understand that that's why it's true you can never be a jerk because it will come back and sting you in the ass it, people yes. sit there and you sit there and you talk to someone and you go and, and you run and I run into a lot of different people for this show and you know and some people go you know, talk to someone, oh, how do you know this guy? Oh yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, I had the same experience. And it's funny, people remember in this business and, thinking, and if you act like a diva or a prima donna, you, you, you might be working for two years but in 15 years, you're going to be selling
1: insurance because you're going to screw yourself and people don't understand that. Sure. And so, you know, it was it was really absolutely exciting and the like all those funny gigs I like to work, when I was in high school, there was a friend of mine who was who could drive, and I was fifteen. And we go, we go, okay, we're going to play Elks Lodge's. I go, okay. So we drive away Elks Lodge. He goes, oh, and by the way, we're going to listen to this. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, you got to get hip, kid, because I'm—he's eighteen. He puts in absolutely free by the grandmother by okay. the mothers of He Puts in the we're only in it for the money. We are the other people. We are the other people. You're the other people too. We're playing all this stuff, and my head was like throbbing. So I, I. I learned all these songs and though years later, just like that full circle, here I am now in Austria and I'm playing Kenny's Little Creatures on display. Ronnie's in the army now and Kenny's taking pills. Oh, how they yearn to see a bomber burn. You know, just all these crazy songs. Were they big crowds in Austria? Yeah. They were, we were, um, there's, in when you, when you have a, um, tour festivals there's the uh, festival crowd circuit from 5 to 8000 then there's the one from the 12 to <clears throat> 16000 <clears throat> then there's a circuit from 20000 to 30000 and you can pick up jobs in all those different circuits. So the ones, the ones that I was involved with were the eight to twelve thousand. Okay, and it was John Fogarty. I saw Johnny Winter three days before he passed. Oh wow, he was—he looked like death. And I talked to my wife. I go, Johnny Winter just walked by. He looks terrible. And he and you so were right, yeah, he was right. And uh, and then we had the grandmothers, and we had a couple of other bands that were amazing bands. So you did that
0: and yeah. now 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 we where we have about seven minutes left
1: okay um you said you have a bunch of shows coming up well, yeah what, what are you working on now what am i working on now is we have the boingo dance party we're playing down in san diego at the psycon uh casino which is down in el centro 91x is uh the big sponsor for that it's a great venue uh it's really a fun place to play we're playing the canyon club uh it, in October. October, and Agora, October 25th, uh, and then we're playing Halloween night down at the Coach House in uh, San Juan. San Juan. Oh, cool. So, And you know what I'm trying to do, too, is I'm going to really try to make a big push during September to sell out both of those shows. Because what I want to do is, if I can get enough fans to, you know, they're not big, they almost we almost sold them out last time but i just want to sell them out and i want to do I, I, then i want to do a tribute to danny elfman and the tribute is danny is only his only his only kind words were why don't you play your own music <laughs> so to do a free hour midnight set of like um of all original music that the the guys in the band write now do you write yeah.
0: Okay. So now, what kind of music? I mean, do you write very? Uh, do you write the vocals? Do You write the music, or what? I write? Yeah,
1: I play guitar, and I you know I play a little piano, midi piano. Now with the band, do
0: you play the drums or do you play guitar? I play drums. Okay, but so but you also play guitar. So you write songs sure. for guitar. Now, would you ever sit there and? Do you ever play with your son?
1: Yes, but he's. Uh, I mean, int- he intimidates me. But uh, is he that gonna be a musician? Yeah, he. I don't play guitar, but he actually plays in the boingo dance party. Okay, and he, he's an incredible electric bass player, along with playing uh, classical music. Now, did you encourage him to get into music, or, or, or did, no? Or were I, you like, he just no, said, "I'm doing it." I, I told him, "I, you know, I'm never going to do that." Uh, you know, I just said, "Do whatever you want to do." Just because dad plays music doesn't mean you have to play music. But you know he did insult me, he did smack me, I and whatever you do, play an instrument with frets or something I, I can understand and, it, and a, a string instrument has no frets. How do you know where to hit? That means your intonation's even better than me. Are you making fun of me? <laughs> And don't play trombone yeah. and his girlfriend plays trombone. Really? Oh, jeez. Well that's good though. That's cool. Both but, of them. but you know, but he may come
0: full so you know, it's like anything. Like you've went through so many different changes in your career, which is so cool. That's probably why you've been around. Sure. And, you know, you're still in the business where so many people leave, you know, they they sit there and they go, you know, oh I'm out, you know. But that's good. But maybe hope maybe he'll change and then you know, ten years from now he'll be jamming, you'll be like, Wait a second, that's not this Wait, what happened to the classical stuff. Oh,
1: and and once a month I have a band, I play with the Don Kubik big band. Down at Steamers in Fullerton at a, at a, at a uh, world famous jazz club down there called Steamers, and they have big bands every Monday night, just like they used to do at Sweet Basil back east. And uh, it's a great big band. Every we sight read everything, and it's so much fun.
0: Now, do you do you Do you play the drums every day now, or do you? I mean, when you do you get up, and do you still practice, or, or, or do you just... I
1: don't. You know, I, I don't practice as much as I should, and I'm playing all the time.
0: Well, so, and you said, no, are you working with other musicians doing some studio stuff too? Sure. Now, how does that happen? Do they just sit there and they, I mean, because I always wonder, because studio musicians, it's great, because they work with so many different people, and and, they, and for me, someone who's very talented can be a studio musician, because you have to know different, you have to, first of all, you have to learn different songs. It's not like you just play with one band. How do they find you? Do they sit there and do someone, is it like, is it like a, a job where someone goes, hey, you know, you should, uh... Hire this guy. He's good. Or How does that happen? Or just well, do people it's, know your through name?
1: A, through a composer. Okay. You know, I've always worked. Well, there's different composers that do TV commercials or uh, have independent acts. And that's, you know, somebody will be producing an act and they'll call me.
0: So that must be great, though. You just get a call. Yeah. And say,
1: I mean, is it sometimes, is it like last minute or is it day before or how does it you, work? It, it, it's all those things. It's, you know, we're doing it next week. I got a guy coming in from Australia in about three months two and a half months that we got to do got a full album on the plate we got uh, you know a country and western session last week it was like oh they put it off twice and then call me up we're doing it now and it's like okay here we go and you produce too you say yeah now is that is that
0: now that, do you have to know everything when you produce
1: right yeah you know and i can i can pretty much i pretty much know everything and so you know, I can guide an artist and um, help them with lyrics and how to tell a story and uh, um, how to not to overextend themselves, how to how to get right to the point, how to get rid of certain parts, how to edit music so it it all works in a real understandable, concise way. See, that's cool, and that's also how you mentor.
0: You said you mentor some people too, right? Yeah. Now, How do you find them? How, how does someone? How do you find someone you're going to mentor? Is it just you hear about someone? Or how does no? Th-
1: they have to beat my door down. Okay, so you'll do it, but it's going to take effort. They just can't sit and go,
0: oh, yeah, hey, uh, Johnny Votto's, you know.
1: Yeah, if you you don't really want me, I'd rather watch Law & Order. Okay, what, what do you like & Order? I love Law and Order. Which one? Oh I like Criminal Ten. Criminal Ten. I like Criminal Ten with and Vincent D'Analfrio's
0: on. We have we have like two minutes left. What are some of the shows you're watching right now? What are some of your TV shows? Do you watch a lot of TV? You know,
1: no, I, I don't I don't have cable. Okay, because it drives me crazy. I hulu or Netflix, anything I want to watch, and and uh, YouTube. But no, I, it's just it's impossible. Cable's just impossible. And and there is no news. So I listen to Dem- to Democracy Now. Okay, with Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez. They're really great, and I and I and I try to get I try to listen to the propaganda news, you know, RT News, and, and all the all the all the outside news things I can. The French news, the stuff they have on PBS is pretty cool. BBC, but even then, it's all tainted by you know by the big industry. Right. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, give give all your info. Oh, okay. Uh you can uh, I have Johnny dot com. I also have boingodanceparty.com. dot com. You can find me on Facebook uh, I also have a Johnny Vatos official on Facebook, which is just all drums. I won't talk anything other than drums and maybe uh, pretty girls, but mostly drums and all the things I like. I have on Facebook, I also have the Boingo Dance Party, and then I have a Johnny Vatos, which, if you really want to get into it, I make comments about all kinds of rude things that happen through the day.
0: Cool. I want to thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad I hit you up there. I saw, I, it's so funny. I saw a class thing, that I said, I didn't wait my friend Bobby always talks about you. I said, I got to check out your. I hit you up, and you said you came on, so I want to thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So, people, check out johnnybatos.com, and that's uh, a great little website. You can read a great bio, and, uh, and yeah, so check them out. Also, follow me at coopertalk. Uh, that's at coopertalk. Send me an email, cooper.talk at yahoo.com. That changed because we're in the middle of some changes here. Also, um, iTunes or... Stitcher type in one word Cooper Talk I have 280 episodes Up on my website If you have a Google Play Any of those Google stuff Go Google Play Type in Cooper Talk And you can get my app Or go to my website CooperTalk.net And don't forget Every Tuesday At Jimmy's Place in Burbank I host crappy comedy So I want to thank you For listening Don't forget Check out JohnnyVatos.com Go see him live It's going to be fun And you know You may see me in the audience Because I love I love this kind of stuff I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guests Don't forget people Drink your water Eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.